0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this
1: juicy gem of a detour. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for Season 4, Episode 4 of Succession on HBO, a.k.a. Max, plus Season 2, Episode 4 of Yellow Jackets on the beleaguered Showtime Network. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X Ray Vision, the Crooked Media Podcast, where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode,
0: market moves, baby. Yeah. And the market's moving. Ding, 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 ding. Sell, sell, sell. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> Kendall the Killer is back. It's all going down. Succession, season four, episode four. In the airlock, stepping into that icy wilderness for Yellow Jackets, season two, episode four. Shocking. Things are occurring as always. And in Nerd Out, a Yellow Jackets theory from listener Cornelius. Oh,
1: you love to hear it. Up next, market moves. And so we've come to the end of the low. Gonna can't. Read your note. Is Ken's name crossed out? Is it underlined? This is Market Moves. That's right. It's Market Moves, your number one source for economic success and coverage of Succession season four, episode four titled Honeymoon States, directed by <laughs> Lorene Scafaria, director of Hustlers, and written by Jesse Armstrong, creator of the show, and Lucy Preble. We open, Rosie, Whew. on the day after Logan's death due to pulmonary embolism suffered whilst fishing his iPhone out of an airplane toilet, which means it <laughs> is now— class. What a classy way to go for a classy, <laughs> classy guy. way to go. Which means it's now time to scrabble over the skeletal remains— of his empire, and so up his outstanding affairs. The kids are dealing with this loss in different ways. Roman is fine; he's just brushing his teeth. Ken <laughs> is is quietly shattered. Shiv, we learn, is pregnant, and unrela- which is unrelated, okay, to what is is going on in this in the current plot. But that's obviously still a lot to deal with on top of everything else. Prop number one. <laughs> First of all, shouts to our good friend H, over co-host of Dune Pod, his partner, uh, basically called that uh, uh, Shiv was pregnant. So a, a big, we were right to H and H's partner. We were right. First prompt. It's a two-parter. Prompt Ooh. A: Buy or sell the father of Shiv's child? Is it Tom, her current husband, soon-to-be ex-husband? We think. Is it? Uh, Nate, her ex, Mm. she had uh, an ongoing affair with while she was married to Tom. Is it the random guy she met at the bar after Willa's disastrous (laughs) Broadway play debut or literally anybody else? Could be anybody else. Remember, she pitched Tom on an open marriage on the night of their wedding. Rosie, I ask you, who is the father? Okay, I think it's 50-50
0: Tom Okay. That makes the most sense to me, especially because there might be some kind of IVF situation, frozen yes. embryos. They've had that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 50% that it's like a donor <laughs> that Shiv chose because she wants to have a baby for succession reasons and doesn't want Tom involved. Let's be real. Tom has been trying to climb the ladder of he's the Roy trying. family. He's still trying. He would absolutely... He's still trying very desperately. He would love to have a Roy heir. So I don't know if Shiv would want to make that choice. <laughs> but like you said, this is a lot to deal with. And I, this, I think this adds an interesting twist to the argument of succession, because Kendall always seemed like a good get, simply because he had kids. Yeah. So that continues the line. But Shiv now is pregnant. So that adds a little bit of competition there for the ongoing Roy line. Very interesting stuff. I did not see this one coming. But as you said, H and his partner absolutely did.
1: A Roy of the blood is stirring in the womb mm-hmm. of Siobhan Roy. I will say I'm going to buy Tom as the father. I think it is the father. I think it's a little too late to introduce some rando. Although, you know, I, I did enjoy uh, Nate's slimy offerings to the television program. <laughs> and um, uh, here is part, part B of the prompt. So... Shiv is on the phone. Is Shiv sick? That's the prompt. And yes. here is the evidence to lay out for is Shiv unwell? She's on that call. And on that call to open the episode, she she's not finding out she was pregnant on this episode. She appears to be finding out that something did not affect her current pregnancy. Her She's mm-hmm. still carrying the, the baby. And therefore, whatever the call is about did not adversely affect her her pregnancy, and then later in the episode, we see her trip and fall in a way that feels not just an opportunity to kind of add to her humiliation of being cut out of co-CEO. So I ask you now, is, is Shiv well? Do we think Shiv I, is well?
0: I think Shiv is sick. I, I I think your read on this is right. I couldn't tell if the call she was getting was about them testing to see if the IVF or the embryos had worked. But on second watch, it definitely seems more like something didn't negatively affect the baby. And she said, you know, it's positive, The the baby seems okay. I'm very interested to know, is Shiv sick? Is it something that is an ongoing illness, like an MS? Yeah. Or something like that? Or is it cancer? Shiv definitely... There's a lot of things she does during this episode that I think hint that she is sick and she's trying to get what she can, even in a really shit situation. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see where this goes, especially as, I think it was Super Producer Chris was talking about how Brian Cox did an interview where he said, every episode of the rest of the season is just a day. So wow. how much are we going to find out? And that makes sense after we watched this yesterday, you know, one day later. So with, you know, six episodes left, so essentially a week, Yeah. what can we find out? But yeah, Shiv falling over, they were definitely playing into the men in those spaces are going to think she's frail. Right. But we know that's absolutely not Shiv's MO. So that happening is very much goes against the shell and the armor that she usually puts up in those spaces. So, yeah, I think Shiv's sick, sadly. I do not believe she is well.
1: Everyone gathers at Logan's former Manhattan Palazzo for the settling of the affairs, plus uh, the board vote for interim CEO. The attendees include various conservative luminaries. Colin, uh, Logan's body man in jeans, <laughs> much to the shock of the children, a man who certainly looks a lot like former national security uh-huh. advisor under Donald Trump, uh, John Bolton. Uh, he of the let's just bomb Iran uh, right now uh, statements, uh, GOP presidential candidate Mencken, who is a Nazi, but we don't actually see him, but certainly it's a secret security shows up. Sandy. Elder Sandy the Elder, Sandy uh-huh. the Younger, and Stewie. And, of course, Sandy the Elder, who we have not seen since he suffered a uh, a stroke, I believe it was, a health setback that has left him, uh, that has either left him with a smile on his face or he is just so happy to be here uh, at Logan's wake, sort uh-huh. of wake.
0: He uh, can't believe he outlived him.
1: He cannot believe it. Also there, Marsha, Logan's uh, last official partner.
0: That's the big surprise.
1: Huge surprise. She is there. Of course, she would not miss this event. Uh, She casually drops that uh, her and Logan have been phone sexing every evening. (laughs) And talking every morning. He checks every plan over. This is
0: such a shocking power play. It makes a lot of sense because why wouldn't she turn up? But she turns up. She very you know, conveniently reveals this secret that only yes. she and Logan would know. And now Logan is dead. She's in a house that she owns now that Logan is dead. And she is just stone fucking cold. She man. is a
1: cold killer. She uh, <sighs> shouts to Willa for standing up for herself. So yes. so Marcia makes this very pointed, like, Look at how high you've. Look at how far you've come. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, uh, referencing her her marriage to to Connor, and of course she is a former escort. Um, And Willa defends herself. It's like, look at look at both of us. Look at how how far both of us Mm -hmm. have come. Good for you, Willa. Uh, In the meantime, Marsha manages to uh, run carry over with a fucking bulldozer. <sighs> or just it drops her in a grave nearby Logan. Certainly not close enough that uh, that she could say that she was buried with him, but like in the area uh, yeah. and then um, also manages with incredible haste to sell the Palazzo to Connor for some sixty three million dollars over the course of this day two power centers emerge. There are the old folks, Carl, Frank and Jerry and the kids. Uh, the music has essentially stopped on this game of musical chairs and everyone without a seat is various levels of fucked. Mm-hmm. That includes Tom, that includes Greg, that certainly includes Carrie who is chased out of the building through the back door, like weeping with stuff falling out of her bag, yeah. saying, uh, oh, Logan was going to make arrangements for me. Will somebody please check on it? And she is yeah. just fucked.
0: Also uh, basically telling Roman, like, we were going to get married. yeah. Like, this was going to happen. I need to find the proof. I need you. Roman, you know, such a complex character, but in that scene has so much heart and empathy for Kerry. He's the
1: one who who doesn't. He really is. He's a terrible human being, as they all are. But he is the one who he can't. When he sees someone, like, in genuine distress, it -hmm. affects him. He doesn't like confrontation or conflict in it, and it really bothers him. He wants to see that everyone's kind of, like, okay. Uh, And it's a really interesting uh, side to to Roman. So Tom then pitches... (laughs)
0: He's going everywhere yes, like his country. I mean, he's like, he's to every gotta, single
1: person trying to sell himself. He needs he needs a he needs a safe space. And so he pitches the old folks on himself as interim CEO. He uh it doesn't go that well. Greg is mm-hmm. out there kissing every uh, butt Whew. cheek possible in order to find a safe place for him to to be and then meanwhile of course the gojo deal is hanging over everything and luke maxson appears to be kind of steamed at the kids after they left him on dial basically while they kind of figured out it was a power move but then they went on to say oh, it wasn't a power move that was the
0: stupidest and probably most impactful decision this episode of yeah. many stupid and impactful decisions instead of just letting roman pick up the phone yeah Connor, oh, Kendall, no, 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 we don't need to. Just just let it ring out. And then they're in this kind of hilarious farce now where they're going to have to prove to Matson that they need to. Yeah. And, you know, they're talking about they've got to be there in 24 hours for the n- retreat. So I'm assuming we're going to get to see that next episode, which I would absolutely love because Matson is high.
1: He, oh, he's a He's, a <laughs> he's just wild. Prop number two, real recognized real estate. How much of Connor's wealth is left after buying this house. Willis seemed a little concerned at the price tag and recall we have seen... Connor, uh, previous, the, the child of Logan's first wife, not his more beloved second wife, where, uh, you know, Shiv, Ken and, and Roman uh, come from. And it has been intimated before that he doesn't have as much of a stake in the family business or if maybe any stake in the family business uh, like the other kids. And also we've seen him in the past, uh, most notably during Willa's uh, uh, Broadway play, <laughs> begging for money from Logan how much money does Cotter have left after spending $63 million on the plots? He was also very worried about the taxes, which I get. I, I guess I get. I,
0: I don't think he has enough money to buy the house. <laughs> at all. I think, all. He, didn't I think, think all. he needs the Gojo deal Ooh. to go through. Do you remember at karaoke how fucking scared he was that the deal wasn't going to go through? Oh, that's and true. then he called Logan and he snitched on them. That's right. One. Nobody needs sixty-three million for a house. <laughs> Two, the house is ugly as fuck. It is. Three, a, I okay. understand why Connor wants it because it's an ultimate fuck you
1: to Logan. Yes.
0: Four, Marsha is a true G because she 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 did not she was not going to get that money from anywhere else right now in the housing market. She wasted only from
1: zero Connor. time. She's, she's like, I'm, l- I'm going to be looking for sixty to seventy million for it, and he's like sixty-three, and she's like, good, done, spits on her Sold. hand, spits and like, on so her hand, go. it's <laughs> done.
0: So I I think. This would either wipe Connor out or he actually might not have the liquidity to do it and he's going to be ve- become very interested in the gojo he's got
1: he's got to sell stuff he's got to sell the cars mm-hmm. he's got to sell uh, the hyper decanting machine he's got to sell <laughs> napoleon's <laughs> a dick, he's got to sell like the Josephine so letters. <laughs> it's a corner yard sale is going to be happening outside the Palazzo. <laughs> I absolutely agree. I think Connor, I'm going to say that Connor is worth 50 million and that he needs an, mm-hmm. an, and and mm-hmm. an illiquid 50 million and that he's got to move stuff around plus get that Gojo money to go through in order for him to truly and finally and irrevocably purchase this palazzo, Manhattan palazzo that Willa is going to tear up the second they get into it. (laughs) Whatever the game plan is here on this day is swiftly thrown into chaos when Frank, the executor of Logan's estate, discovers an undated piece of paper in Logan's private safe indicating that at one time, Logan wanted Ken to be CEO, and then... At a, some other time, he either underlined Ken or crossed his name out. What do we do here, folks? The old folks, okay. uh, uh, Carl and Frank, briefly discuss, hey, we could just— uh, you know, something could just happen to it. This piece of paper. What if it got lost? I'd I'm with Car- Carl. is Carl like, I have I, to say, I, I think it would be terrible if it was lost. But what if it was? All of a sudden, he's like, sh- "What if your hand just slipped? I mean, what if it shook? And then a, a gust of wind took it and it flew away? <laughs> and then Jerry uh, comes in is like, "What are you guys up to?" And they're like, uh, "We were just kind of like happily discussing uh, this piece of paper that here says that Ken either is or isn't Logan's." final wish as CEO, and we were wondering, like, gosh, what if this paper just fell in the toilet? And then she says, oh, that's uh, very funny. P.S., I'm general counsel, so I can't play games like this. Prop number three. (laughs) How would you, Rosie Knight, speculating in a comic mode, a humorous vein, (laughs) suggest getting rid of important legal documents how would you do it in a in a funny way? Pitch me on. Okay. Let's get rid of these papers that are very, very important and germane to the conversation that are ongoing and relate uh, to uh, very, very strongly relate to uh, Ken's interest in something. And how do we get rid of these papers? You pitch me on it. We got to get rid of them.
0: OK, I would love to have seen. I'm with call on this one. I have to say this is just a hot mess. I think you just we don't ignore it. This I would have loved. Carl is already—he's flipped over at Tom. He's at the end of his tether. His chill nature is leaving. He's always had a good cool front, but it's—it's it's going. He wants his fucking golden parachute. He ready. needs his money because he needs going, his he's money. He's buying a
1: Greek island with his brother-in-law, and he needs Come that on. money. Come on, this is relatable troubles.
0: So what I would have loved to see. I would have loved to see him just rip it in half and just start eating it.
1: Him and Frank just eat it. How <laughs> so, funny would that have been? How good. So Rosie, it's you and me, and we're standing there, and we've got the paper. What would you say to me? You want me to get rid of the paper? You you certainly don't want to do it yourself. You want me to make the decision to eat the paper. How would you tell me to do it?
0: I think I would. I would actually just. I'd take a little bit of a corner. To see if you were feeling like it, I'd tear a little <laughs> bit off and eat it, and like give you the eyebrows, like the wiggle yeah. eyebrows. Like, Ooh, what about this? Mm. Yeah. And uh, and then you know it's all about the money. Yeah, I just yeah. say, look, if these don't, if this paper doesn't exist, we're in a much better state. And I'd also, I mean, I think this is the biggest argument that they failed on here. Is like these kids are fucking idiots. Like yeah. Tom says it. Tom is the only one who's real. You don't want them involved. Yeah. The paper is gone. In my opinion, I'm on Carl's side. I'm all for getting rid of the paper. It's time the kids idiots. What would you do?
1: Here's me pitching. I I would also. I mean, the thing is, if you get rid of it, you can never speak of it again, and it has to be gone forever, gone. And it's a risk. Of course, it's a risk. Legally, you'd be exposed. Like the lawsuits stemming from this would be just. It would cripple you. I don't care how rich you are, and Mm -hmm. certainly Frank. Uh, and Carl are not uh, cut from the same cloth, despite the fact that Carl is buying an island. He's co-buying an island. Uh, <laughs> it's not cut just from the name, Yeah, cut from the same wealth cloth as the kids. So I would heavily lean towards getting rid of it, but I wouldn't want to get rid of it myself. And if you were holding mm. the paper as the executor of Logan's will, here is how I would I would pitch you. I'd say, Rosie, this is a very interesting piece of paper. Let's look at it over here by the window in the light. Uh, oh, gosh, it's a windy day. What if you what if you what if you just what if your hands just suddenly got weak you know the the wind <laughs> is blowing so strongly up here on the 7th or 8th or 10th or whatever floor of this gigantic mansion on the upper east side uh, we all know how the the canyons of new york create these wind tunnels what what if you just let go of it no what if you just let go of that paper and it just flew away it would be it would be obviously i think a tragedy and it would uh, and it would uh, rob the the Roy siblings of some of the context of their father's wishes in his final weeks months date it's undated once again we have to say that it's undated but but yeah you know, but and that would be a tragedy but to be what if it happened it could happen yeah that's how I would do it
0: I think you're on the right track because once it leaves that room, like if somebody did find it it in a puddle, in Central Pub, it's nothing. Oh, somebody just made that and printed it off at the internet internet cafe. No one's going to care. I like that. I also think, you know, the old, oh no, I put it here next to my uh, ashtray with my cigar in it. (laughs) You know, burn that shit. Oh, oh, no, no, it's, it's gone. Basically, many inventive ways, and I think they went about this the worst possible way, but the best possible way for unnecessary
1: chaotic drama, which is what it
0: absolutely instills.
1: Well, the paper is then revealed, and chaos immediately ensues. First of all, can... The kids are like, well, I wonder if this changes anything. And certainly Ken says, well, I think it does because my name is on uh, on the paper. And she was like, yeah, but is it crossed out or is what is this? Mm-hmm. Is he crossing it out? Is he underlining? Like, I'm not saying it to be a jerk, but like legitimately the line goes through your name kind of for at least 40 percent of your name. You know, space wise, uh, uh, Ken and Roman eventually coalesce around a structure that they think makes sense. Now, they were both COO at one time. And uh, that is kind of like the necessary according to the bylaws the next person up for interim ceo in the in the event that something happens to the ceo so it would be weird they both say if if we didn't both step up as co ceo interim ceo and you know with this paper in hand certainly it seems like we have our fathers okay to go ahead and do that now shiv uh is like well what about me what what if we do a triarchy we do three of us and they're like oh, that feels kind of weird doesn't it like uh uh three people feels a little too much but i'll say but what, and, and honestly i do think they have a point in that shiv has never worked there now she yeah. states that, now i did do such and such project for dad when i came in briefly and blah 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 but that as ken notes pointedly but i think fairly was make daddy was like make busy work for dad yeah. it wasn't really working there as ken and rowan both had and so they both decide that Shiv's officially out but will be unofficially in as in everything that they decide she will be involved in this of course is absolute bullshit and they're going to cut yeah. her out At the the earliest possible convenience, she will be shoved overboard. Her and her unborn child Mm -hmm. will be walked down the gangplank and she will go into the waters and sink below the waters and never be seen again. Uh, The board then votes. And uh, guess what? Ken and Roman ascend the mountaintop uh, for the interim as co-CEO. Hugo and Carolina then raise the issue now that uh, the the (laughs) two boys are in the the driver's seat of a statement. And here's the two options. We go— uh, uh, positive, we uh, burnish Logan's uh, you know, coffin and his reputation and we say what a legend he was and how his empire is in safe hands with the Roy boys who are going to do just exactly what Logan wanted to do and would have done had he been alive. Or... You know, not in a not in a mean way, but maybe we go negative and we say, "Hey, Logan was fucking his assistant. Uh, He was a piece of shit. He covered up all the crew's sexual assaults, all that kind of stuff. He was slipping, peed his pants, couldn't walk uh, back to the house when we were over in Montauk pitching. What's his name? uh, Was slipping." Uh, You know, various health concerns. And therefore, here's a new vital age with youth and vigor and strength at the helm. And we're going to chart a brand new course. What do you say? Uh, The kids basically said, let's not uh, piss on our father's memory. Uh, and let's go positive. Then Ken goes over to Hugo by himself, pulls Hugo aside and says, hey, remember that thing in the cold open where I walked past you and I heard you arguing with uh, a person that turned out to be your daughter, Juliet? and what had <laughs> occurred was you leaked the news that Logan was dead to your daughter who you say you never speak to, but apparently you spoke to on this day, and then she went and did some insider trading, selling Waystar stock before the news broke, thereby avoiding." losing a bunch of money. What if I uh, go to the SEC with that? Or you could go negative and you're not going to tell Roman, you're not going to tell Carolina, you're just going to do it on your own and you're just going to fucking eat this shit. And Hugo's like, I guess I will. Prop number four, Rosie. The Ken document. Underlined or crossed out? It's crossed out. I'm a full
0: crossed out believer. Look, we know how Logan felt. I love this choice and I love what they've done with this season which is basically just taking us back four years taking us back to the beginning as frank says logan did want kendall to succeed him at some
1: point at certain points certain
0: (laughs) points it's happened it was kind of like that in the first season that's what we thought that's what kendall thought but i believe that was crossed out a hundred percent whoever wrote that line on that paper. Give them the award. It's
1: it's so good. Because it is
0: so well done. But yeah, I am a crossed out believer. I think that ironically, Logan would be incredibly happy with the way that Kendall is behaving in all of this. And Uh, Kendall has basically become the monster that Logan always wanted him
1: to be. I agree with you. I think that when Ken says it's what dad would have done, he's one, right, it's exactly what Logan would have done. And two, he's also, he's also, uh, you know, separating himself from the actual decision mm-hmm. in a way that allows him to kind of like soothe his own guilt yeah. over this really shitty thing that he's doing. well, dad would have done it. Therefore it's okay because you know, who can blame me because my dad would have done the same thing. And, and he is right. Um, but again, I think that he uh, probably feels significantly guilty about this. And I think you're absolutely right. And I think Ken on a certain level, Despite his bluster, probably suspects that it was a crossout. I mean, again, mm-hmm. we see him the looking at it. Goes, on the phone. It doesn't go through the whole name, but it goes through like three or four letters of the name. Like it kind of starts low and it. comes up at a yeah, like certainly like looks like a quick crossout that yeah. goes that it partially goes under the name. Now, that's why when you're really going to cross it out, you really just scribble and you just yeah. go for it. But I think- And if you're going to
0: underline it, you start lower. So yes. this doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> but listen, I think we've seen this. We know enough about Logan to know that though he was a very tough guy, though he was a very, you know, he was a dictator. And mm-hmm. when he made a decision, he was going to double down, triple down, quadruple down on the decision. He also... You know, you know, very strangely, he changed his mind a lot and particularly about CEO. He did want Ken to run it for a period of time, although he didn't think Ken was necessarily tough enough and and put Ken through the ringer. He wanted Roman to run it and said that for for a while and put Roman through his paces and even put him on the on the early rungs of the ladder to run it. He mm-hmm. told Shiv flat out. I want it to be you. It's you. I want you to run to the point that Shiv said, you know, is this real? Is this real? Because, you know, that's Logan's way. He dangles mm-hmm. something. He pulls it away. I think at it, when he drafted the document, the original document, I think he probably did want Ken to be CEO. And I think when he crossed it out, he didn't want Ken to be CEO. Yeah, exactly.
0: Anymore. OK, let me ask you one more question, because I think. When do you think the document is from? I oh, think it's God. from the first season because one of the funniest the first seasons. <laughs> one of my favorite things about it is on the document he just wrote Greg question mark. Now <laughs> Greg was like, "Oh, this this is cuz he wants me to be Kendall's number 2." And everyone's like, "Nice try." I like to think it's Greg just Greg Frank just showed laughed up at that. I love Greg's yeah, <laughs> laugh. He was great. like, "Good job. Uh, yeah, nice I try." try. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> like I, I like to think that Logan wrote that, like, in the f- at the timeline of the first episode, where he, he's just like, Greg, like, who the fuck is that? Because he just showed I, yeah, like, who's
1: Greg, <laughs> question mark, who? Who? I think that yeah. that's probably right. And I think that when he crossed it out, I also think it's a cross out. I think he crossed mm-hmm. it out. And I think he crossed it out. I think you cross it out when Ken killed the guy. When yeah. Ken killed the waiter. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like that's yeah, yeah. He's like, well, he killed the waiter. He he's like a fucking
0: <laughs> Yeah, he's at that point, he's just a reckless risk for your business.
1: Uh I found the uh, the scene, you know, anytime, because these characters, they're like spiders in a jar mm-hmm. uh, with nothing to eat but each other. And so whenever there's like a moment of kindness or gratitude, it is, you just see it and you notice it and it lands with incredible strength and power. And there was that moment where, you know, like uh, Ken has- betrayed slash backstabbed slash undercut slash left Stewie, his former college friend, like hanging a million times. Now, formally recall, Stewie was going to back Ken for a hostile takeover, the the uh, the infamous bear hug, to take over the company, and they were going to seize power from Logan. But then, because Ken killed the guy— he couldn't do it anymore because as he says to uh, to Stewie in this scene, he says there was no card he was going to play against me, a.k.a. my dad was basically going to tell the world that I killed a guy mm-hmm. and that and I was going to be screwed. But then they – so they have this back and forth and Stewie makes a very funny uh, – Stewie kind of burn about how, oh, uh, I heard Logan died when he saw your uh, – he died choking when he saw your business plan for beers. <laughs> but then they – then they embrace, and it's like, you know, you could tell that Ken really needed it. That was such mm-hmm. a such a strong moment. Yeah,
0: this they've been doing a great job of that this season. There's also the moment that really stood out to me, this episode, which is, like, extra heartbreaking because of what goes on to happen once the paper is found. But when Ken... Rome and Shiv are reading the Obits about their dad, and they're like translating what it means. So they'll be like a man of his era, and they're like, he was a racist. Racist. And there's this, there's this like absolute bonding and love and kind of laughter and lightness that we never get to see them share. And it's yeah. that moment of solidarity of what they've done, how they kind of beat Logan in the end, how he died. And then obviously Logan manages to fuck it up beyond the grave with some doodles. But I love that. Yeah, those two moments really stood out to me. Because when, same with Rome, being nice to Kerry. Yeah, when that you was see like that a, such a... slight. Yeah, slight kindness. Also, Rome was very upset by the PR plan to like shit
1: on, you know, Logan. He hated it. He does not like conflict. He does
0: not like it. Which is ironic because he has arguably more reason. Him and Connor, I would say, are up there for like people that Logan treated the worst. Yeah. I I wonder if that softness and that kind of emotionality that we see with Kerry that we see there in that moment, how is that going to affect him and Ken? I actually think Shiv is better off not being involved because I think Kendall's going to absolutely destroy Roman in pursuit for this power.
1: I... Agree with you. I think what we're seeing is much like a Sith Lord, uh, mm. you know, the rule of the rule of two. I think yeah. we're seeing Ken step into the cape of his mm-hmm. evil father here, especially with the moves he made at the end and the way he just instinctively cuts Roman and, of course, Shiv out of this decision towards the end. I will say that one thing, uh, you know, thinking about again that that moment with Roman and Carrie. He reminds me of, uh, you know, one of my other favorite shows, Mad Men, Pete Campbell from Mm -hmm. Mad Men, who was a piece of shit, Uh, you know, a sexual assaulter, was out, like, hitting on teenage nannies that his neighbor (laughs) had, but was also, like, strangely the guy who would, like, go at his coworkers for being racist about stuff Mm -hmm. and, you know, got... Absolutely up in arms when uh, someone said something disparaging about Martin Luther King and didn't understand why nobody wanted to uh, sell products to the black market. Very, very, very conflicting guy. And I feel yeah. that with Roman the way it's like he's conflict averse, but also like an absolutely horrendous person whose politics probably hew pretty closely to Mencken, the Nazis.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's some kind of moral compass, like yeah, a there's fucked some up kind of moral compass that he has.
1: On like a there. one-to-one basis. But then he's also the guy who like offered like a child, like a million dollars, remember? Like if they, yeah. if during the softball game at the very first episode of the show. So he's just a very, very strange guy. Uh, what an incredible season of succession this cool. is. I wish we had another, I wish there was another season. I wish Me too. I wish it was not ending. Uh, Stay tuned for more market moves in your podcast feed. Do you want to be wealthy like us? Do you want to be... Do you want to get ahead like us? Do you want to be successful like us? Do you want to be climbing a ladder made of the skulls of the people who dared bet against you in life, <laughs> in your personal life, in your, in your career, all of it? Do you want to just, like, be ripping spines of your enemies out and then eating their eyeballs out and mm. all of the while—commas— the and, and and digits are just increasing in your bank <laughs> accounts all the time. Listen to Market stocks, Moves. Stocks, stocks, stocks. Stocks, bonds, <laughs> trading. Listen to Dollars. it all. Market Moves every Wednesday. Up next, Yellow Jackets. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go
0: ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We're stepping out of the airlock and into Yellow Jacket Season 2, Episode 4. Let's go. Almost halfway through the season and things are getting absolutely wild. This episode is called Old Wounds, was directed by Scott Winnan and written by Julia Bicknell and Liz Fang. In the 90s wilderness. It's chilly. It's cold. It's cold. It's snowy. And Ty and Van are out in the woods. Seems like a bad idea, but sure. They have a mission. They are markating the trees that nighttime Ty has been leading them to. Van wants Ty to tell Lottie she's still on that kind of trip. She wants her to tell Lottie so that Lottie can work out what Ty's supernatural connection to the forest is. But Ty is having none of it. She's still very firmly on team logic at this point. Probably should have listened to Van because in the modern day, we see that Ty is watching nighttime Ty go through her things. She's in a strange (laughs) kind of pseudo-comatose state where she can't stop nighttime Ty, but she's seeing her, and then boom, she wakes up. She's out of gas in her car, or her assistant's car, I actually believe, in a rural roadside space next to a forest and all that she has in the car is a file next to her that says, yellow jackets. Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun, dun! Things still not going well for Ty, basically. Get help, babe. I,
1: we, we, I... <laughs> seek help expeditiously, I beg you. You cannot go another half day like this. You're losing time every two or three hours. This yeah. is not tenable. It's not. It's not good. You Literally. cannot keep doing this.
0: The only time I've ever seen this happen to someone on a fictional TV show was Hannibal, and Hannibal Lecter was literally manipulating Will Graham to make this happen to him. So the fact (laughs) this is happening (laughs) without Hannibal Lecter doing it, it's going badly for you. Also going badly, Shauna and Jeff. They're arguing because, you know, as we know, Callie told the cops that her mom was having an affair with Adam. They don't know it was Callie yet, but we do, and Jeff's not happy about it. Nat. Is having a rather good time at the wellness camp. It's strange. <laughs> I, I she wants to she wants to find out Lottie's secrets and discover yeah. what's happening with Travis, what she did to him, but she is bonding with Lisa, who was the young girl that we met who was this is a nice uh, little character I'm a fan. Yeah. There is a there is a true kindness here, and Lisa has a lot of empathy for Natalie. So they're going on a They're going to go on a little trip today. Lots of road tripping going on this episode. Speaking of road trips, Misty, she is still very worried about Nat. And basically all of her friends have forgotten about her. Sean is wrapped up in, you know, doing a murder. Ty (laughs) has multiple personalities, one of whom only wakes up at nighttime. And Natalie has been kidnapped and is a cult. So Misty really wants to find out what's going on. And she's teaming up with Walter to go on the second road trip
1: Mm -hmm.
0: this episode so that she can find out where Nat is and follow the purple people to what we will, what we know is Lottie's compound, but she is still trying to work it out. Misty's calling everyone up. Her sociopathic tendencies are coming out. She's calling everyone, she's leaving them voice notes. But Walter, who is forever positive, is like, well, it's pretty rare to have a friend who relentlessly oh, has he your loves back. It. He They're loves lucky. Us. He loves her. Then he's like, why don't we put on some music? And all he has is musicals. And Misty freaks out. She's like, fuck you. You are a stalker. You love the Yellow Jackets. I'm your favorite. I'm flattered. But like, why are you doing this? I have no time for this. I'm out. And he's like, no, no, I just love musicals. I actually don't care about Yellow Jackets. Or the Crash.
1: I don't. I think that there's something going on, obviously. And I think... He doth, as we said in the previous episode. I think mm. he doth protest a little too much. That said, the I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but when they that side by side sequence yep. where we see Misty and Walter kind of both going through their same OCD mm-hmm. paranoia routines of like checking their hotel room for bugs and and using a blacklight, and doing all this stuff, unscrewing the lamps, everything led me to feel like. I think you only do that if there is something while he is hiding something. I think I think there is something innocent ish Mm -hmm. about what he's doing. I think he's looking for a kindred spirit. And I I did believe
0: this could just be Elijah Wood's incredible acting. He's so good in this role. But I did believe him when he said he didn't care. He was like, that was 30 years ago. He didn't even get the number right. He's like, that's irrelevant to me. I care about new crimes. And really, I just want to work with you because you're a famous true crime detective on the Reddit wards. So, you know, those two, they're doing their thing. Interestingly, we get this, they put on you know, a musical number. And then we jump back to the 90s and we see Crystal and Misty singing that same song. Mm -hmm. And those two are obviously just getting incredibly close. It's very cute. It's very positive for Misty. Shauna is not feeling positive. She's accusing the crew of stealing meat. Mari's then like, well, it was probably (laughs) Coach Ben. And Coach Ben's like, well, you alarming. know what? Yeah, yeah. I, I, he was like, he was like, "Fuck you!" Like, what would you do about it? Like, he's trying to get, he's really trying to become dinner. I truly but, believe it. But also,
1: like, I think he makes a great point, which is like, what am I going to hobble out to the meat yes, shed? That is and true. Then carry the meat? Like, I'm on crutches. I have, I have one leg. How am I going to carry the meat back? Like, how am I going to do all that? He makes that good point but then he does follow up by saying like what are you going to do eat me? I mean it's <laughs> a I, it's a pressing concern and I and is. I do wonder if they won't eat him. Yeah.
0: It, I think they're going to eat him. He's he's on my <laughs> if I was if I was doing a ranking list of most likely to be snacked on in yellow jackets he would be number 1. Nat tries to cool it down and sort of says, "Look, I'm I'm just trying to help everyone survive." Mari turns on that and is like, you're the reason this is all a problem because you won't drink Lottie's blood tea. You won't let her bless you. And that says very pointedly and very truthfully, like me and Travis are the only one who actually do any hunting. Yes, Everything that's happened with Lottie is just a coincidence. They don't believe it. And in one of the stupidest choices in the situation, but one of the smartest and most realistic teenage narrative choices they make in this, they decide that they're going to do a game where Nat's going to go out and hunt, Lottie's going to go out without a gun, without Mary says she doesn't need it. (laughs) She doesn't need it. And it's a very interesting setup because we kind of see how Lottie is almost... She is not the leader that we kind of thought she was. She's almost unintentionally being pushed into this position because of these visions that she's had, because of these things that she's seen. And the girls are putting her on this pedestal. And not only that, but they're not giving her equal footing. So she heads off, Nat has a gun, and Lottie has nothing other than, you know, blood magic. If I was Nat,
1: I would be like, am I going insane? Mm -hmm. We're the ones who go out with the gun and shoot the thing and come back? Lottie is just sitting here. Even though I would it's be her so idea, pissed. I would be so mad. I'd be like, you guys are fucking insane. You do it then. You go fucking, you go get exactly. blessed. Why don't you have Lottie bless you? And then you go out and find some meat then. If she makes it really so easy, point. it's all about Lottie. She's like, look, you all just sitting here on your asses all day doing nothing. And me and Travis
0: are out there hunting. Like, it's ridiculous. I will say, very interesting, because we kind of see Nat's logical team gaining a little bit of ground as the episode goes on. And it feels like, oh, maybe they're getting back to reality. And then we get this kind of bonkers final yeah. five minutes that totally turns things upside down. So Natalie and her new friend Lisa are off on another road trip. They're heading off to sell some honey that the cult makes. Remember from those bloody beehives where yeah. Lottie thought that she all her bees were Ew. murdered. And we heard a spooky voice that said, he wants blood in French. Very scary stuff. No blood in this, honey, but they're going off to Senate. But it's very interesting because Natalie, the rebel that she is, she really wants to help Lisa and she's trying to scope out whether or not there is something dodgy going on here. Uh Lisa claims there's not rules and you can do whatever you want. But when Lisa goes with other members of the wellness community, she's not allowed to see her family sounds like a cult to me. I mean, so that's sounds like,
1: very explicitly like a cult. It's
0: explicitly like a cult. So Nat says, we're going to see your mom. They go see the mom. And Lisa claims it's because she wants to see her fish. who's called the 14th Gilly, and he's very cute. But there's clearly some underlying issues here.
1: And Natalie can't help but get a little bit involved. Yeah, the mom sucks quite a the bit. The mom sucks. The mom sucks. Really sucks.
0: And I think they do a great twist. Because when you go there, she seems to be supportive. But as the conversation goes on, she starts doing some really explicitly horrible things, especially for people who have mental health issues. While Lottie told Nat and Lisa, well, I can't come with you. I've got to go to the bank. She's actually at the psychiatrist asking to up her meds because she doesn't want to have the visions, which I think is very telling. Yes, It proves that whatever is going on with her wellness community, at least as far as we know, and as she seems to know, unless she has a nighttime Lottie type situation going on, the visions are not involved in the cult. She doesn't want them. She wants them to go away and she's willing to up her meds to do so. Her normal psychiatrist is not there. I think if you want to play into the, is there a bigger cult situation going on that other people are controlling. You could make a lot of argument for this, but I like her new doctor. Her new doctor has a an idea. She says, what about if you just stop trying to repress these visions? Yes. And actually ask what they might be telling you. Yes. This is actual therapy. She's yes. like, maybe the fact that you've been institutionalized since you were a kid, since this really traumatic thing happened with you and they've drugged you to stop you thinking about this. Maybe you should have a conversation about what the visions are and what's going on before we up your dosage. And Lottie's like, well, what could they tell me? They're not real. That and I think that's a, a really that interesting the, moment.
1: That was the moment where I realized uh, that they've done something very interesting, which is set up Lottie to be a lot more ominous figure and then mm-hmm. subverted that and let you know that whatever is going, Lottie is a, a victim of it as well, a passenger to it. Yeah, She is... Some At some point in the past come to the realization that her visions, perhaps because they're too troubling or too violent or whatever, are not messages, are not prophecies, are not real. Mm -hmm. And she just really just wants them at this point to stop, but has also somehow managed to kind of parlay the mystique around them to having... I mean, I'll just still. I'm still calling it a cult, and to be yeah. able to kind of like uh, uh, attract people to her and form this cult-like organization.
0: And you're right; she definitely is using the notoriety of what happened. I mean, she has bees; they make honey. Yeah, people. The fact that Natalie knows her, we haven't had anyone who's explicitly asked Nat about their past. But the fact that Nat knows her makes her notorious in the group. Like, there's yeah. almost a celebrity to it. And it, I doubt that there's anyone there who doesn't know what Lottie went through. Yes. So I think that's a really good read. It's like, she's someone who's been in a shit situation, who's kind of parlayed it into stability and success and wealth. But is it at the cost of other people in this kind of dangerous cult setup?
1: Mm-hmm. X-Ray Vision will be back.
2: And we're back.
1: Shauna,
0: Shauna, Shauna.
1: This moment is, listen, I'm all for telling the truth. I'm all for telling your family members Oof. what's going on with you and letting them in and letting them into your anxieties. And... But this choice that Shauna Oof. makes, you could not get this out of me. By waterboarding, there's no no way. Anyway, it doesn't matter.
0: Torture never going to happen. So, Shauna, after a a great kind of suburban mum interaction that I think most of our parents probably had, where she thanks the friend of Callie's, you know, the parent of Callie's friend, and she says, "Oh, thanks for having Callie over. I should start paying you because she's there so much." And the friend's mum says, "Oh no, Callie hasn't been there." And it all starts to click into place. Callie's lying to Shauna. Shauna decides she's going to investigate Callie's room. Callie is truly her mum's daughter because she just left Adam's burnt license in her dresser. Not hidden, not worried about it. (laughs) And in a truly extreme Shauna moment that I loved because I really did not, like, bless Melanie Linsky, I did not know which route she was going to go here. Shauna just picks up her daughter, drives her into a fucking cornfield like she's going to do a mob hit on her. But then as you alluded to, confesses everything and tells- She
1: confesses flat out murder Why? to her Why? daughter who is is actively speaking to the police right now. Like literally she is
0: dating and texting a cop who is still- Pretending not to be a cop, which I think probably makes most of this in inadmissible, but there's probably some kind of blurry lines there. But also Callie if you're is the cop. Cursed. You have to tell she, me that's the rule. Yeah, if you if you're a cop, <laughs> you have to tell me. Why didn't Callie ask him? We you know the rule. But like Callie, at what point has she ever proven to you that she is loyal, has solidarity. Or any sense of smarts.
1: I, like, well, what made you do this? I'll tell you what made what made her do this. It is that thing that we talked about in a previous episode, which is that Shauna, her, the driving yes. force of her personality is that she wants to destroy her life. She I absolutely doesn't like thought
0: of you when I watched this. She
1: doesn't like what her life is. She's bored by it. She finds it unexciting. Uh, she wants something else. She wants something more dangerous. And she will actively work against her own interest to destroy her life bit by bit. And so here she's mm-hmm. doing it again. Yeah, it's you the, know, it's we, the we, new we, blow up my life. It's a new it's just like another risk to take. Here's an uh, so I've already committed a murder and I've covered it up. And then I uh, and then I went and destroyed evidence, kind of, not really. Badly. And also while I was there destroying evidence, I had sex with my husband there, leaving certainly more. More trace evidence that any uh, medical examiner could find, and now because that's not enough risk to fully destroy my life. Because now my husband and I are kind of getting along. Now, what I need to do now is confess to my daughter, who is actively in a relationship with a cop, <laughs> that I killed a guy that they're looking for, that they're trying to solve his murder. Sh- Shawna, don't <laughs> do it. I mean, it makes sense in this most in a demented way, but it's also like so crazy yeah also like it
0: shows how disconnected shauna is from reality at this point because she just tries to play it off so casual and (laughs) callie is just like freaking (laughs) Uh, yeah i did it i did it and callie's like what the fuck you murdered someone (laughs) and shauna's like well Yeah, and she's like, I knew dad didn't have anything to do with this. And she's like, well, your dad was the blackmailer. He's kind of the reason this happened. And (laughs) as Jeff will rightfully point out later, you just made your daughter a murder accomplice. So good job. Yeah, terrible. Suburban psychopaths, those two. So speaking of uh, people with sociopathic tendencies, Misty and Walter make it (laughs) via some useful info from a diner worker who tells them that the cult do not tip well boo hiss to that cult because they have a lot of money. They have a lot of money. She tells them, well, they sell honey at a farmer's market. You can head over there. And in what I like to call a very Game of Thrones moment, they go to the farmer's market and you're like, wow, she's going to find Natalie. But obviously (laughs) Natalie and Lisa never made it. And you're sort of like, oh no, why would that happen? Sorry to Misty. She's very upset. In the wilderness, things are going badly. Mari is hearing her Lady Macbeth dripping. Lottie decides the only way she can find some meat (laughs) is to commit blood magic, cutting open her hand. Nat actually finds that giant white moose in a lake. Is it the moose from last episode that Uh, was maybe not real, is real, was a ghost of this moose? uh, Yeah,
1: something like that. Unclear.
0: There's a big stag. And Lottie ends up becoming completely disoriented, stumbles across... And this is a big shock. The Lost fans out there were surely
1: screaming when this occurred. Oh, it was very, this felt like they have to know that they have to know that that they're referencing. I think they're
0: they're cheeky. I think they're trying to troll people. Like a lot of people in our Discord, like in a friendly way, a lot of people in our Discord had seen this on the what's coming next and they kind of felt like it was going to be that lost moment. So she finds Laura Lee's plane, the plane that we saw get destroyed in season one that exploded over the lake. It is not destroyed and inside is a teddy bear. And not only that, but under the teddy bear's seat is a tunnel that leads into the ground. And that tunnel leads to an elevator and Lottie comes out of the elevator into a 90s mall where her teammates are eating in a food court and a Florence in the Machine cover of the no return theme song is playing eerily
1: weird vibes i i mean uh, more and more i'm thinking this is some sort of multiverse thing crossed mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. a final destination thing the final think, certainly yeah certainly lottie's final scene in yes. the present makes me feel like they're they s- stole from death or something like that and now they're and everything that's happening is because they owe some kind of cosmic debt to something.
0: I think that we get a lot of hints this time that either there's some kind of multiversal situation or some kind of timey-wimey two universes, string theory existing at the same time. The kids in the 90s and the adults now are all living in the same time, but separated by like a veil. It's all very interesting. And another unique discovery. I will say, this is a a good classic horror trope here. Van maps out all the creepy symbol trees that Ty has been visiting late at night. And shock horror, if you connect them, they (laughs) make the the creepy cult symbol. I love it. It's so good. It's so pleasing. It's so enjoyable. It's so silly. And Ty makes a very good point. You know, this is something that's been used in history, in horror, uh, in... You know, Alan Moore's From Hell—they have something along these lines. Yes, and Ty makes a good point. You could just connect them in any shape,
1: right? It doesn't have to be that way. It Doesn't <laughs> have to <laughs> be that
0: shape. I guess. Ty, and Van's argument is, well, this is the order you found them, so there's some kind of order there. But I'm on Ty's side with this. I am as well. Van Van says, look, if if I'm right, and these trees mean something, there will be another tree in this specific location. And we'll be able to find it. It will have the symbol, and that will prove that this is something rather than nothing. Back in the present day, Nat, in a moment, I just, this endeared me to her so much. Nat has had enough of Lisa's shitty mum. Lisa's shitty mum crosses the line, and basically, Lisa has a history of suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. and her mum starts describing very viscerally a way that Lisa could kill herself. It's like one of the worst things you can do. It was,
1: it's really, really just fucked horrible. up thing to do. Really, truly Extremely a fucked, up, fucked thing.
0: up and dangerous. And Nat just totally freaks out, yells at Lisa's mom, gets Lisa out of the house, and very sweet moment, and classic weird Juliet Lewis Nat energy here, steals Lisa's goldfish, the 14th Gilly, by just putting it in her mouth, in a mouthful of water, <laughs> and then spits it out into a water cup and is like, here you go. And they're Bond here is kind of cemented. This is now a two-way friendship. This is someone, this is Nat showing Lisa that she cares about her too. And then we get to, and this was you, you mentioned this moment already. It's one of my favorite moments in the series. It's so well done. It's so fun. It leans so much into what's great about Misty. We get this great side-by-side montage of Misty and Walter you know, booking themselves into this B&B. Walter wants them to share a room, Misty says no. And then we basically see that they're sort of, they're two peas in a pod. Yes. They don't know it, they're separated by a wall, but we see them, they both look for listening devices all over the room. They cover, they put the remote control in a little plastic Ziploc bag that they carry with them. (laughs) Everything they do, they do, they are kindred spirits. And they can almost sense it as they go to bed. They sort of can't really get comfortable because they can almost feel this closeness between them. It's very sweet. And I truly am rooting for this weirdo couple. Misty deserves some love. She's always been single. It's time. Maybe Walter is the guy. We'll see. In the mystery mall, Lottie is freaking out. She's sitting at the table and her friends are kind of ragging on her and she wants to eat the food, but... She's also really cold and she's starting to realize that the mall is not real. Sorry to the Lost fans. It's a hallucination. And of course, she's actually freezing in the middle of the forest and the friends are just figments of her imagination trying to help her keep safe. And it seems like Lottie may finally have lost her hold on the group because Nat has enlisted the rest of the survivors to go and get the frozen moose out of the lake. But, and I will say this, I knew this was going to happen.
1: They did not cut a big enough hole for that moose. Yeah, I mean, a moose. I'm watching this, and I'm, what does a moose weigh? Two thousand pounds? Yeah, twenty five hundred pounds. Like how heavy is a? There is no way. Like eight young people starving people standing on ice. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking drag a moose out of the water. No way. No way. They
0: what they had what they should have done, look, water is like flotation. If they'd have cut around the whole moose, maybe the moose would have rose risen a little bit. Instead, they tie a thing around its neck, they try and pull it out of this tiny hole. Lo and behold, sorry to that those survivors, the moose is gone. It floats down it, into the depths. Was the moose even real this of I think it was real. I think it was too many was real. of them saw
1: it. I think it was real. Yeah. Here's what I say you do. You tie the rope around the, the moose's neck. You tie the other end to a tree. Now you cut the Ooh, hole. Okay? That's smart. Now you cut the hole. Because the ice, would, the ice was yes. the thing that was
0: keeping it up. So if and you're that, tied you, to the tree. And then
1: you just try and slowly pull it up as much as you can, retying on the tree so that at least there's an anchor. And you're mm-hmm. not there holding on to the other end of a two-ton animal that's dragging you into the water. Yeah. That's a good point.
0: And... It is truly, this is one of those moments where you just know it's like a game changer moment because if they'd have actually got that moose, as Nat points out, there was probably enough meat to keep them going till spring. Yes. Now they don't have that. We know what meat they're going to turn to more than likely. Yes. And it's just bad times. Shauna, she's continuing the Jason trademarked blowing up her life by (laughs) telling Jeff... That she told Callie about Adam. <laughs> but the best thing is she knows. She's radical think it's a bad honesty. Thing. Dude, she's just like, I think we're all gonna be fine. And he's like, What do you what? mean all of us? <laughs> she's like, What do you mean all of us? And she's like, Well, I told Callie that we that we, you know, I killed Adam and we covered it up. <laughs> And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's like, as parents, we're meant to just like not fuck up our kids. We're supposed to throw ourselves in the way of danger. And Sh- Shauna, you're right. Radical honesty. She's like, I'm sick of lying to everyone. I don't I, I'm lying to every single person in my day to day life. I don't want to lie to my daughter.
1: Well, what about the and cops? Everybody with what the about the cops? like Radical honesty for everybody except the police. But the cops. Yeah. And
0: hilariously, I don't know if she's playing a game I don't know if she's endeared by the fact that her mom kind of alluded to the horrors of the forest and how much it affected her. But Callie shows up. Yeah. And Jeff's like, oh, aren't you going to your friend's house tonight? And she was like, oh, well, I actually haven't. She's being honest. She's like, I haven't been staying at my friend's house. I've been going to the park. I'm okay. surely bad place to go. But going to the park and hanging out with a boy and i'm not going to do that anymore. So like how can i help you? And suddenly they're playing happy families cuz these three are the most fucked up people in the show. I truly believe that. Like the way they can just be in denial.
1: It's just They insane. are just
0: on it and they are playing happy families good for them. As we mentioned, you know, the moose in the wilderness did not come to the fruit did not come to fruition in the way that Natalie had hoped. She sort of ended up freezing in the water. She's in their very luxurious spa. It's just is a tin bath. And I guess they're heating water from the snow on the fire. It seems like it would take them a long time to fill that up. I have had to fill up a bath with boiling water. But, you know, they did it. They committed. And everyone is feeling down. But also, I feel like a little bit grounded. It seems like Team Logic has a little bit more argument on its side now. There really was meat. Natalie almost caught it. Where yep. is Lottie? Doesn't have anything. Lo- oh, Mari and Aquila come back and they have Lottie. Lottie doesn't have any food. Lottie does have hypothermia. And Nat is like, you know what? Get, get into this tub and we're going to bond. We're going to kind of fake shit talk each other. And while we didn't get any meat, at least we are now kind of on better terms and things I- seem to be going okay.
1: One thing that I, I think this is a wonderful... It's a wonderful gesture. And of course, like this is obviously Lottie is in real treacherous straits, health Mm -hmm. bias, you know. But I, I, when Natalie said, this is my fault, I completely disagree. I disagree. No, it's fucking not. It's everybody else who is suggesting that Lottie is somehow actually like actively getting Mm -hmm. everybody food when she doesn't ever leave. And it's not necessarily Lottie's fault But she also could have stood up and been like, hey, let's big hand for Nat, who is going out there in the cold every day to go get us fucking food.
0: Yeah, she could have also just said something along the lines of like, you know what? The reason that Nat and Travis haven't gotten enough food at the moment is because it's winter. But I think if we all come together, we can like do we each have a part to play and she can keep making them the blood tea. She didn't have to go along with the game. I agree with you. I, I do not believe that it's Natalie's fault. Also, Natalie was happy for them to split the gun or to flick the coin yep. and, and, you know, keep, have Lottie perhaps have the gun. But yeah, I, I disagree. It is not Natalie's fault. Natalie is truly one of the realest and smartest people left in that forest. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: L- Lottie is definitely in a bit of like a disassociative state, mm-hmm. I think, at that point where she's just letting things happen to her. And she is re-entering that place i feel like in the present she's going through affirmation cards i suppose that people have written from the wellness group and she starts to see ominous cards that say things like i'm grateful for my friends and then she sees a queen of hearts playing card and is yeah it's all with the eyes crossed out it's very creepy very horror and she decides she's gonna get her trusty knife that by the way she could have taken a knife into that forest just saying in the 90s but she gets her adult knife she goes back to the blood magic ways and she cuts her hand over a strange stump that looks very similar to the stump that everyone is obsessed with in Mm -hmm. the 90s the warm stump now this i think is our biggest multiversal slash timey wimey like weird string theory-esque hint because she cuts her hand open and bleeds onto the stump, and she says something along the lines of, like, kill us just enough, which I think, like you said, it alludes to this Final Destination-esque theory. And as she does it, Ty and Van find the stump in the past, and obviously that's just good editing probably, but it feels like there's something important there, like the magic that Lottie's doing in the future is actually affecting things in the past rather than in the present day. And that becomes even more of an intriguing theory when they see someone running through the woods immediately after discovering the weird melting snow stump. And they chase him down. And in a shocking twist that will surely upend everything, they find that the mysterious wintry figure is none other than Harvey. Dun,
1: dun, dun! He's alive! He's alive! <laughs> He stay alive. This is the big question going forward. Two months. Well, at least I think he must be. It's got to be some multiversal thing, and he is Ooh. in that pocket dimension, that place, or something. And I like whether that. it was the blood that called him out or whatever. Mm. I, I that's the only thing that makes sense. Because
0: they covered a, real a hatch. lot. Yeah, yeah, they. There's a hatch. There's a real hatch. Or the because they covered a lot of ground. They really searched for him, and. So no surprises. They take Halby back. And Team Supernatural is just going absolutely wild. Nat can't believe it. She is fucked. I think you
1: can just say,
0: well, I did find the pants and I thought that that's what it was. I I would agree that that is the route she should take. But as some eagle-eyed X-Ray Vision listeners pointed out... She did technically fake Harvey's death <laughs> she with a with a pair of bloody shorts that she planted in the woods. Because she wanted Travis to get over it and but still, not spend all his time. She could still say she, could just say oh, she well, found Oh, These them. are not your
1: shorts, Harvey. Oh, my yeah, bad. Oh my I, God. That, I'm I, just, I just I did find them. Yeah, but I, I found I thought they were someone's
0: yours. shorts out yeah. here. So, like, yeah, that's how I think that's the way she should play it. Yeah. Not looking good for her, but Lottie obviously. She is also now fucked because Mari and everyone else starts going, oh, Lottie was right. She said Harvey was alive. It's happening. And Van, she cannot keep her excitement under wraps anymore. She promised Ty that the two of them would kind of keep Ty's connection and sleepwalking to themselves. But she bursts out and she says, well, Lottie knew he was alive, but Ty knew where to find him. Ty was the one who took us there, who has this connection to the forest, and we're going to work out what it is. Dun 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 <laughs> dun dun dun, and that is not the only shocking return. Because Ty, in the present day, after hitchhiking very dangerously across Pennsylvania with a trucker, who she buys a wonderful naked woman pen from, she gets <laughs> there safely. Good for her, because honestly, I think getting into well, a he's truck a, he with is a man who's get... one of her
1: constituents—he's one of her constituents. Nice.
0: Yeah, you know, good, good for him. He voted for her, so she survives. That's huge. Uh, And she ends up in a small town. She gets out of the car. She heads towards a VHS video store with a pride flag outside. I knew it was coming. You had to. You see the pride flag. You see the cool VHS. You go inside and there's a beautiful ginger woman wearing flannel played by Lauren Ambrose. It's adult van. She's there. (laughs) It's happening. And she's standing in front of a bored with different tapes that she recommends, all of which are absolutely just... Me and my friend James talking about this. Really great movies and also definite allusions to the things that we see happen in Yellow Jackets and the kind of first season. So yeah, the immortal lesbians, they're back. Hopefully Van can help Ty. We're going to be very close to that halfway mark. Next week is the halfway mark of this season. And we still have absolutely no idea what's going on. But it's a joy. It's it a joyous really,
1: it ride. It is really a joy. <laughs> uh, it is really a joy. Yeah, I, st- I think more and more that you're kind of right about the present affecting somehow mm-hmm. the past. Some kind of loop of rules. Like you know, some kind
0: of time travel yeah. that's connected.
1: There, like, uh, there's... Something like that occurring, where the show we—I don't know necessarily how it would work yet. But what if you know we think this show is being edited together, cut? We're cutting backward. We're we're coming back to the present. We're flashing back. But what if, like, somehow this is linear? Somehow this is all happening linearly.
0: I wonder that too. If we're gonna go, if we're imagining hypothetically, Tim foiling it. Going full lost. There is a version where everything they're experiencing is actually happening at the same time, where they're either experiencing a vision of what their future could be, they're in some kind of strange space. You know, yeah. we've talked about, I think in the Discord are uh, the idea that you floated about some kind of nuclear army base is very popular. There could always be some kind of hellmouth element to that or something stranger mm. things, you know, where you have a creature or a space where timelines blur it's going to be very interesting i'm still just blown away by how intriguing they've kept the mystery yeah but also how long can you keep it going question
1: i do think that this back half of the season is you know to use lost again as a kind of Mm -hmm. model they made it now those were different television watching times, right? They were different. We were just a a different different TV watching culture at the time. But they got to think about as far as you could go without any kind of concrete, here's what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I do think the back half of this season, we're going to have to start to really understand what's going on. Or else
0: even if it's the a only, red The, the only way to avoid season.
1: that Yeah, the only way to kind of avoid that is shit gets way crazier. And I think yeah. that that's also a possibility is that shit just gets way crazy. But I, I think now with Lauren Ambrose here, Adult Van here, it feels like there's some momentum now to start letting us in on what the fuck is happening.
0: And we have basically our core cast now existing as both adults and young people for the first time. So how that all comes together is going to be really exciting
1: to see. Yes, I can't wait. Up next, Nerd Out.
0: In today's Nerd Out, where you tell us what you love and why, or a theory that you're excited to share, Cornelia shares a very eerie, and I think very likely... Yellow Jackets theory.
1: This is crazy. Uh, (laughs) Hey, Rosie. Hey, Jason. Long time. First time. I had a thought, what if Shauna's wilderness baby daddy isn't Jeff, but, but the creepy wilderness spirit slash man with no eyes slash dead hunter guy. What if the reason Shauna's baby isn't a thing or even referenced in the present is because it was a creepy Melisandre style smoke baby or something, then the quote, He inside of Shauna wanting blood, etc., makes more sense. Love you guys, have a great day. I, you know, there might be something to this. I think so. I
0: think we're getting to the point now where the baby and the fate of the baby is going to be a huge touch point for whatever goes forward. And I think if we're talking about strange, spiritual, ghostly, situations that we are now seeing alluded to as if they are really happening rather than just visions i would absolutely see this as a theory and i think i i like the specific idea of the kind of melisandra smoke baby i Mm -hmm. think that kind of horror trope of like oh the baby is disfigured or the baby is you know something wrong with it it can go quite it can become quite ableist or like weird. And this show is very thoughtful. So I think the smoke baby scary kind of notion of the baby almost not existing and only being able to exist in the forest because Shauna really only knew she was pregnant in the forest when she missed her period when everyone else is synced up. So I think there's something very interesting here, especially because I think the two most likely scenarios are something like this or they eat the baby. And right. are they really going to eat the baby?
1: That's right. like the big question. I have I'm just going to leave you with this theory that feels too hacky and obvious, but is it? <sighs> Jacob's ladder. What if they're dead?
0: I think it's I think it's very likely. I think it's very likely purgatory lost. I still think that they might be trying to do that ultimate impossible to do trope. I think it's likely in the breakdown of the credits that I did at IGN that we spoke about here, when you pause it, there is one scene, one flash of the plane completely burnt out with Van all burnt up on the plane. And And I still I still think, I don't think that's crazy.
1: For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, who want to watch a really freaky, psychological, horror movie, Jacob's Ladder. Nice. Thanks, Cornelius. If you have theories or passions you want to share, hit us up at x-ray at cricket.com. instructions or in the show notes. Well, that's it for us, Rosie. What have you to plug? Plug, 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 plug. I'm
0: covering Yellow Jackets at IGN if you want to read all these kind of theories and thoughts that we have here, but in an yeah. even deeper textual way. You can find me, Rosie Marks, at Instagram and Letterboxd. I think I should hopefully have something very exciting to announce
1: soon. Fingers crossed. And, yeah, here, twice a week, good times. I am plugging uh, Primo on Amazon Freebie yeah. slash Amazon Prime. It's currently available to add to your watch list. Here's what you do. You go to your Amazon Prime or you go to your Freebie app. You search Primo Shea, S-H-E-A. You see the show. It shows a, a family sitting on an orange couch. You hit the plus symbol to add it to your watch list. You log on May 19th and watch. Catch the next episode of X-Ray Vision Friday, April 21st for the season finale of the wonderful Mandalorian television program with our good friend Jason Manzukis. Woo! And that's going to be super fun. Important programming note X Ray Vision will be taking uh, off next week. That's uh, both episodes next week. We will be going dark. That means no, no new episodes of the pod on Wednesday, April 26th and Friday, April
0: 28th. And if you miss us, make sure to subscribe on YouTube where you can watch full episodes of the show. Plus, follow us at XRV Pod on Twitter for all the cool updates, retweets, and fun news. And check out our discord to meet and hang with tons of amazing fans that thing is just popping off at all times with the wildest theories the funnest chat and things even outside of what we talk about sports survivor there's a channel for everyone crafts art, everything you'll love it
1: five star ratings five star reviews we need them you gotta give them to us here is one from mj it makes me happy X-Ray Vision will always get five stars from me. Your podcast is insightful, informative, fun, and funny. I love everything that Jason and Rosie do. Twice a week, I look forward to hearing your show. Your show makes me happy. Thank you so
2: much. Bob. am we Delighted
1: that we could uh, do that for you. X-ray Vision is a crooked media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Rellaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for our theme music. See you next time, folks. Bye. Life is a highway.